Thank you for having me. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name's Ed, and I'm one of the elders here alongside Clive and Ant. And um, just to fill you in, I know that the summertime is always a bit different, and we're really happy that many of you have come back and are... Um, and you're yeah, rejoining the community after kind of summer breaks and holidays and things like that. So it's just really wonderful to think ahead for uh, the coming season. I know for some of us, there's a lot of change coming along. Um, both, you know, some of you are going to university or new schools or new adventures ahead. And one of the things that we've been, we've been doing in, over this kind of, the last time I preached was two weeks ago. We were looking at the, the Beatitudes. Um, we've been looking through Matthew 5, so that's a bit of a precursor if you want to go and get your Bibles and all your phones and turn to Matthew 5. But we've been looking at the Beatitudes, how Jesus teaches us about his kingdom and the values and the promises that are there. And um, for me, thinking about this as a, as a small series, I know that Clive's going to be preaching next week on the next part of uh, the end part, the Beatitudes. Um, but for me, thinking about why we want to talk about the Beatitudes and talk about Jesus' teaching is so often in life, um, there's a lot of things that vie for our attention. There's a lot of situations I know at the moment which are in many ways overwhelming. Um, I don't need to mention them, a few to name, just energy crises, changes in government, uncertainty, wars in Ukraine. So many things in our lives at the moment are shifting sands, which we just don't have control of in any way, shape or form. But we do have a king who has come, and his name is Jesus. And he has brought a kingdom that is not of this world. And he has brought a hope that is not just for this lifetime, but for now until eternity. And as people of this church, people of this community, we don't, can't solve all the world's problems in, in, in our own strength. But we stand with a king who can. And we stand in the community that believes that. And we stand in the community that has been invited by the Lord Jesus Christ to live out a certain way with certain values to bring about the kingdom of Christ. And my invitation to you this morning is, is to hang in. And last two, two weeks ago, um, we didn't meet last week, so two weeks ago when I preached and I started this um, little mini-series, you could say, um, there were a lot of negatives. <laughs> to enter the kingdom of God, there's a lot of negative things. But what I invite you this morning is to lay into this because, yes, the kingdom of God is, is a totally radical change in our understanding and our values and in what we have been asked to do in our lives to what this world says should be our values and if you hang with me I know it's gonna be a challenging time today I've been struggling with this for my own life this week just trying to think through how this applies to my life but as we think about it I want to keep this in front of your mind the goal the goal is blessedness Jesus says his kingdom is one where you will be blessed it may not be, as the world said, what blessedness or happiness looks like. It may not be, the world would say that happiness and success looks like um, great job, great house. It may mean that you can, you know, when energy prices rise, you can still continue to pay your bills. Um, blessedness doesn't mean that I can, I can still go on a holiday. Blessedness doesn't mean that I will have success in relationships and have much wealth and all these other things that the world would weigh up as being what a blessed life looks like. But the kingdom of God is inverted. It changes because our values change, because God knows what life is truly about. So I want to pray, if that's okay, um, because, yeah, this is, this is, for me, it's challenging, and, and I hope that God will speak into our lives, the places that he, we need to hear this morning. 
So why don't we pray? Father, I thank you so much that, Jesus, you came as the King of kings and Lord of lords, but you came to invite us into a kingdom that will last forever and to a hope and satisfaction and joy that is ours to have right now on this earth and for eternity. So help us, Lord, to hear your voice this morning, to hear the kingdom, Lord, that you are going to bring and what that means for us in our daily lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're just going to read from, from Matthew 5, verse 6 to 12. Um, and this is the text that we're going to be looking at today. It's Jesus spoke to his disciples on the Sermon on the Mount, the start of an amazing teaching series that he gave. This is the kind of first um, pockets, I guess, of his teaching. And they really outline an amazing way to view life in his kingdom. We covered verses 1 to 5 two weeks ago, so I'm, not, I'm going to recap a little bit. But I'm just going to read verses 6 through to uh, 12 this morning. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Anybody want to be satisfied? <laughs> Anybody, I want that. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus here is speaking to his disciples. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you are also a disciple. And that is somebody who follows after their master, their leader, the person they put their trust in. Jesus didn't come to give these beatitudes, these nice kind of pithy sayings as a moral code for the world to follow. Even though they are beautiful, amazing things, um, they're not just good advice. Like if you do these things, you know, those things will happen to you. It's not like that kind of moral teaching. They are moral teachings, but they're for people who are inside, who have put their faith in Jesus and are standing in a new kingdom. He's teaching his disciples. He's telling them about there was an old way you used to live, an old set of values, and here my kingdom is full of these new values, which is actually when you read these and think about them, they are totally revolutionary to what the, what the, gospel, what the good news is. It was totally revolutionary to what the world offers as what your values should be. So when we think about the Beatitudes, let's think about kingdom. Let's think about a little bit about what it means to be part of God's kingdom and what it means to be a kingdom as people. So a kingdom has, um, I'll use some examples in a bit, but a kingdom basically has uh, three things, three important things. They have, a, they have principles or values. The kingdom has principles or values. They have power, a way in which they will implement those values. And they have an outcome or a product. Those are the things that a kingdom has. And Jesus came to bring about a new set of values, a new way and power in which way to live them out, and also an outcome, a product that this kingdom would produce. And um, for me, when I think about kingdoms, I often revert to kind of how, does, how do values impact the way in which we should live? Isn't it? Values are important. If you value something, then that becomes, in a way, like your goal, and that becomes the way in which you will choose to orientate your life and use your money. And values are really important. And um, I don't know if any of you have watched um, any of these series uh, on, on um, I think it's on Amazon Prime, called All or Nothing. 
Anybody watch any of those? All or Nothing, it's kind of like a series of, which go behind the scenes of like, elite sports teams. And they kind of, you know, you, you see all the stuff like when they play football or they, you know, play American football or basketball, but you kind of see behind the scenes of what's going on in the dressing room. And it's fascinating because at the moment there's a series on Arsenal who are top of the league. Um, <laughs> but, but this time last year, this time last year, they started, um, what you call it? they started filming the series for All or Nothing for Arsenal. And this time last year, we were 16th, four losses, zero goals, and it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. As an Arsenal supporter for a number of years, um, I was getting all the stick from my Tottenham friends. But, but what, what is insightful, really insightful, is when you watch that program or any other elite program, elite sports program or you know, I'm sure there's other ones. There's, there's a kingdom being built there. The kingdom of Mikel Arteta, who's the manager. Sorry, all the f- football people who aren't interested, j- just stay with me for a bit. And, and one of the amazing things that come through this series is he's all about values. Yes, he's a great coach. Yes, he's played in the premiership and, you know, won FA Cups and all these other things. But one of the things he establishes in his team is values. He's really, you know, about, you know, if I lose the values of my team members, of my, of my players, then they're out. Basically, it doesn't matter if you're earning the amount, this amount of money or you cost this much money. There are situations in that year where people were kicked out because they just broke the values and it couldn't be redeemed. And for us, as we think about the kingdom of values, again, when we establish them in our lives, what happens is that they start to affect the way in which we see things, the way in which we will live out in our daily lives. And Jesus here is revealing the principles, the values of his kingdom, and they're radically different. Um, it's good to remind ourselves that when we think about kingdom, that there are two kingdoms mentioned in the Bible. There is the kingdom of darkness, and there's the kingdom of light. It's Colossians 1.13, which says, Jesus has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of light of his beloved son. So there's a position, there's this thing that has happened in our lives as we become Christians. We are no longer a people who live according to the ways of the world. We have to have different values. And that's what Jesus is bringing this morning. But one of the things I've been struggling with this week when I've been thinking about this, yes, I, I think all of us here know, okay, Jesus' values are different to the world's values. But yet, I still struggle deep within me, not at surface level, deep within me, the longings the uh, influences of what this world offers and the values are at war within me. I'm not sure if you've ever gone through this before. You know, how do I use my money? How do I value people? How am I to, you know, um, think about, you know, what I do in my future? What are the things that are warring between what the world says is valuable and what are the things that Jesus is saying are of value? And if you're anybody like me, we're, we're trying to work those things through, aren't we? As disciples, we haven't got kind of like, I'm, ultimate, I'm, I'm not, I don't think, I'm 100%, you know, figured it all out yet. But as I'm journeying with Jesus, hearing his word like we're going to do today, I pray that his values become our values. And that we journey through and we receive the blessedness of what that means. So that's my introduction. Sorry, it's a bit long. But um, yeah, let's just recap on what it means to be in the kingdom of God. To be in the kingdom of God means, just as it says in Matthew 5, verse, verse 3, it says, you have to be poor in spirit. You need to admit that you need God. Our problems are beyond us, and we need to follow him, and we can't manage without God coming into our lives. 
The second thing it means to enter the kingdom of God, it means that we have to be a person who is broken before God. This sounds crazy, doesn't it, compared to the world? The world says you've got to be strong, you're self-sufficient, you've got enough. We've been taught that since we were young kids. You just need to do better, you know, get your exam results, and, and you'll be fine. But you know, I think COVID has taught us a lot of things that you know, a lot has broken a lot of us uh, in different ways we can't even imagine right now. But when we realize that we can't do things ourselves, but we need a savior, then that resolves in us um, in God being having an opportunity to come into our lives. So we have to admit that our need for God. We have to recognize that we are broken before God. But thirdly, we need to recognize that we have to give up our rights before our king. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. We recognize our poverty, our sinfulness, and that leads to surrender to our king, to our king who's come to save us. And these are the steps. We lost, two weeks ago, we talked about how these are the steps in which we step up towards this amazing promise that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. When we admit that we need God, when we admit that we can't do it ourselves, when we surrender to a loving savior to save us, God gives us a perfect righteousness. He gives us a hope. He gives us a, a way in which we are now to live in light of that truth. Um, so I realize I'm covering a lot of bases. But go look at my, go, go listen in on YouTube two weeks ago. But we ended up at this place uh, two weeks ago. Jesus has given us now a righteousness, a way in which to live. We now stand in the kingdom of God. Not as people who have done really well and God says, good job, Stuart. Good job, you did really well this week. Now you have my approval. He doesn't go to us and say, oh, um, Cassandra, it's your birthday today. Well done. You can come into my kingdom today as a birthday present. He gives us something else. He gives us an approval that will never, ever be taken away, that isn't temperamental based on our behavior or our circumstances. So I want us to, we ended up last two weeks ago with this, this thought. Jesus now is the standard on which we stand. Jesus now becomes the person on which we look to as our hope. When God sees you and I, he looks at the perfect righteousness, the perfect gift of goodness, you could say, which is on us. Jesus' perfect record, and he says, now you are my child, who I am well pleased. You are now my child. You carry now God's approval, and that comes with freedom, security, and, and a way in which we are to live our lives now. Because now righteousness is ours. We are made right before God. Nothing can take it away. Nothing you can do today, tomorrow, in the future, will take away God's approval of you. Because if you place your trust in Jesus, that is yours from now until eternity. So that's where we start our, our, our talk today, I guess you could say. You are people now who are blessed if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You now have a new identity. The world now doesn't tell you who you are. It doesn't tell you that you've got to be successful to be loved. It doesn't tell you you've got to have loads of friends to be popular. You, in the sight of God your Father, now have his full attention. The God of this universe looks at you and adores you because of what Jesus has done. We have received a new identity. We live securely in that. But that isn't where we just end up. The life we now live, as Paul says, the life we now live, we live for the Son of God 
who loved us and gave his life for us. Because we receive this wonderful gift of righteousness, we no longer live as the world lives. We've been given new values. We've been given new desires, new to pursue righteousness for the, all the days of our lives. And that might sound challenging, um, this idea of pursuit. Um, because as I said in the, in, in the beginning that we have different values in, that we're living in now with the world and with what Christianity and what Jesus says that are in conflict. And, um, and, and some of us have been Christians a long time <laughs> or a few years. And, and we, sometimes we forget, the, 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 I guess, the simplicity of what it means when you met Jesus. I don't know if you've ever met somebody who's a new Christian. Like, I don't know if you've ever had the joy of maybe walking with somebody before they were a Christian and suddenly they become a new Christian, they become a Christian and they find Jesus. It's almost like this light bulb moment. Like, ding, suddenly their God awareness is like on, on the steroids and they're like, oh, you know, I never realized this in the Bible before. And I had this experience a few years ago when I was walking with a guy um, and, and he was coming to our student group in London. And um, it was like he received Jesus one weekend and he suddenly, he's, he's been in church for, for decades. He grew up in like the Church of England. And suddenly, this one weekend we had together at a camp, and he, he came to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And suddenly, his whole life was just like a light switch. There was a new hunger for God. There was a thirst for God's word. There was a joy and exuberation in worship because suddenly God had awakened something, a hunger and thirst for righteousness. And he was receiving that satisfaction. Paul puts it this way. Thanks be to God that once you were a slave to sin, but now you are free from sin and you become a slave to righteousness. It's almost like there's a whole switch. Suddenly you were like, ah, all I was doing right now, I was running down this road, this kingdom, and suddenly I've been switched over. And now I'm just like, all these other things just make sense to me now in Christ's kingdom. And this morning, as we think about what these values are in Matthew 5, I really pray that the Holy Spirit would awaken us to, again, put them in the right place in our lives and let them produce the fruit in which God wants to in his kingdom. Let's have a look at the first, um, let's have a look at the the, the three kind of beatitudes that we're going to look at today. It's in Matthew 5, uh, verse, uh, what are we doing? Look at verse 7 through to 10. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Jesus showed all three of these values in his life. And we're going to look through um, what these values are, how they work out in life, but also how Jesus worked them out in his life. Let's take the first one. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful. So God's children, as God's children, one of the hallmarks of the things that we've received as Christians is mercy. Mercy. And we sang about it this morning uh, as Stuart was, and, and Emma and the team were leading us. We receive mercy. We are objects of mercy before God. Mercy is at the center, the center, one of the centerpieces of the gospel, the good news, which we celebrate. Mercy is that we have been given what we did not deserve. And what we did deserve, we have not been given. 
as people who are sinful and, and broken, we deserve judgment from God. But instead, he does not give us that judgment. He gives us the freedom that is found in Jesus instead. Mercy is God's generosity and tenderheartedness of heart. His kindness that has moved him to send his son to save you. Mercy is the generosity, the tenderness of heart, the kindness that moved him to send his son to save you. It says in Ephesians 2 that God is rich in mercy. Lamentations 3.22, it says God's mercies never come to an end. When Moses met God, he met him and, and, and God revealed him as the Lord, the Lord, God who is merciful, abounding, gracious, steadfast in love. So mercy is the hallmark of who God is. And when we think about what that means for us, if we value mercy, we value God's mercy towards us, then the logic is surely if we receive mercy, we also give out mercy to those around us. We offer mercy to those around us. Now mercy, let me just be clear, mercy is not excusing bad behavior, recklessness. If you see somebody stealing your car, you don't go say, be merciful, I'm merciful to you, take my, take my wallet too. Uh, you know, it's, it's having a sense that actually, um, let's, not, let's not confuse mercy with the fact that we still have to be people who speak truth in love and have a message that will confront people. But mercy is an attitude, a heart, a tender-heartedness, a gentleness, a generosity, a kindness that we are to extend to those around us. Mercy upholds justice, but there's this wonderful tension, isn't there, between I'm called to be merciful, but yet at the same time, I know if I'm merciful, people are going to take advantage of me. Anyone experience that? You know, there's this, there's this real tension here. God's calling us to something that is really, really difficult. If you really understand the mercies of God, the extent of what he does every day, his mercies every morning, then, you know, that is a real challenge for us in terms of how we are to show mercy to the world around us, to those who are difficult, to those who are going to take advantage of us, to those who will just, you know, there's a real tension there, which is hard to balance. But I want us to have this, this vision, I guess, this, this, um, this value system that God is trying to establish in us. Does being merciful, does this, and this is a good question maybe we should be asking ourselves in those moments, does this action benefit me more or the other person? Just think about that. Second. Does this, what the situation now, does it benefit me more or the other person? Simple example, giving a lift to somebody. Yes, it's going to inconvenience me. Oh, petrol prices are really high right now. Oh, it's a bit out of my way. Or does it? Is there an attitude where we go? You know what? This is valuing this person. This person's going to have to walk through the rain. Okay, I'm painting a story now. They're going to be walking through the rain. You know, it's it's cold. It's. Uh... Do I choose to inconvenience myself and show mercy for the sake of someone else rather than my convenience? That's a good question to ask, isn't it? Because that's exactly what Jesus did for you and I. Major inconvenience becoming human. <laughs> Major inconvenience going to the cross. Hmm. But when we have received that mercy, wow, you know, there's like an awakening that happens. Suddenly, mercy becomes something that we can pursue. 
because we've experienced it in its true form in the person of Jesus. So an encouragement for us this morning, we can pursue righteousness by cultivating a heart of mercy. I'm not giving you here, you should do this or that today. I want us to have received this. Let's cultivate a heart of mercy. Let's let God work that out in whatever that may look like in your life. I'm not sure what it looks like. It'll be different for you, but different for me. But if we're cultivating a heart of mercy and compassion, and we do that by remembering the mercies of our God towards you and I. Reflect on his mercy. Let it humble you. And let it lead you as you live out a life of mercy to other people. That's heart of mercy. Number two, let's look at the next beatitude. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because pure of heart, I don't know if you've ever seen anybody who is pure of heart. You might witness people who have good moral uh, outcomes of their life. You know, they may give to charity. They may help the old lady cross the road. Um, they may, you know, help paint their neighbor's fence when they're, you know, or stuff like that. You know, there's people, there's a lot of good moral behavior that people are, are exuberating in our society at the moment. Um, but pure in heart is much more than just behavioral management or living out a good looking life. Jesus, when he looks at pureness of heart, he's looking beyond just outward actions. He's looking at the depth of what's happening right here. The motive, the consistency, or you could say the integrity of what your heart is saying and wanting and how that's producing fruit in your life. Jesus goes through, you know, in Matthew 5, loads of examples of how that looks like. He talks in Matthew 5.21 about anger. Don't kill anybody. I've got that on my tick list. Haven't done that yet. Good. But if you have anger towards your brother and call him a fool, how many of you have done that? You fool. Oh, I said that loud. Um, then you are guilty of murder. Wow, Jesus, that, that hurts. That's, that's really hard. Uh, okay, let's move on. Let's leave that one for to next week. Um, lust. Uh, five, uh, chapter 5, verse 27. You shall not commit adultery. I haven't done that. Good. Okay. Me personally. Good. Um, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman lustfully with intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Man. Jesus, you're making me uncomfortable here. God, you're saying I've got to be pure in heart. I'm not sure how it's looking at the moment. Verse 43. You shall love your neighbor it says in the Bible, you should, it says in Scripture, you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. <sighs> really uncomfortable. It's not just defensiveness. It's actively promoting, living out these values. The heart needs to change here because I'm angry right now that my neighbor or that other person who's upset me or cut me off or whatever else it is. How about our giving? When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. The heart motive isn't about outward appearance. How about verse five, uh, chapter six, verse five? When you pray, come on Christians, when you pray, you must not be like hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in their synagogues at the street corners that they may be seen by others. 
And that is what Jesus was facing in his time. There were, there were scribes, there were Pharisees, there were people, religious leaders, who were doing the show of outward morality, but in their hearts they were corrupt. In their hearts they had no love for people. In their hearts, in, I still in their hearts they were trying to approve, somehow get approval of God, but in their hearts there has no compassion, there was no mercy. And that was where God says, Jesus says, the problem is that your hearts are, first and foremost, impure. They get busy, they get distracted, they get tensioned with all the worries of this world. They get clogged up with worry and pride and selfishness. And pure in heart means that God has to renew us and renew our hearts and grow us over a period of time. So my encouragement to you is that if you're pursuing a life of righteousness, are you pursuing a value of holiness? Are you pursuing a life that lives to longs to please and make sure that what's going on in here, in the heart, is reflecting what I'm doing with my hands and my mouth. And that is a challenge, guys, because it caused, calls us, well, it caused me this week anyway, to really despair. God says in his word, Who, how can I solve this? Paul says, how can I solve this? But then Paul says, but thanks be to God. Nothing is impossible with God. With man, things are impossible, but nothing is impossible with God. And that has been my, my joy this week. That as I recognize, and this happens in our lives sometimes, sometimes we think that you know, our hearts, we recognize the, the depth of depravity in our hearts, or you know, whatever's going on in there isn't right. We cry out to God with mercy, and he goes, "What? Well, you know what, I'm going to help you. David in Psalms 51 says, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Yes, Lord, please, can you create in me a new heart? Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you, I'll remove the heart of stone from you and give you a heart of flesh. Man, if, that's, if this leads you towards that place this morning, then rejoice because God will do that for you. He will heal your heart. He will make your heart clean. He will cause that integrity of your heart and your actions to be aligned. And that is what God, Jesus, is calling to us as a value this morning. Pursue righteousness by pursuing holiness. And the way we do that is by giving him access to our hearts. We have to give access to him and say, Lord, I can't do this. You have your way. Work in me. Number three, what does it mean to be a peacemaker? Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. In our day and age, I think all of us are looking for, for peace, aren't we? We're looking and seeking after this idea that if only this would happen, if only this situation would change, then life would be more peaceful. Maybe we can do this little exercise. Maybe close your eyes and just think about a situation that seems peaceful to you right now. Think about a situation that is peaceful. Moses want peace, don't we? Okay, you can open your eyes again. Um, so what does that situation look like? Just, I'm trying to maybe guess here, but probably, peace probably looks like the absence of a lot of people that you don't like. Don't look at your neighbor. Um, but peace probably looks like that person or that child or that thing, that situation would just go away. 
It's the absence of conflict. It's the absence of that annoyance is what we generally think peace looks like, isn't it? If only that thing would be removed, then I would have peaceful day at work or I would be able to rest on my Sunday afternoon. It normally involves the avoidance or removal of difficult people. But being a peacemaker, which is what Jesus called you to be, is different to being just a peacekeeper. Let me try and explain. A peacekeeper is somebody who just decides that they want to do passively, you could say, avoid conflict or do enough not to cause trouble. You, know, you might see peacekeepers like come to, like, you know, during fights and battles, they come to kind of not solve a conflict, they come to just stop people fighting. So avoiding conflict. It's very passive in its way in which it's phrased. But Jesus says, you are to be a peacemaker. And that involves making something happen or stepping in and being active in the way in which we live. It's very different. A peacekeeper avoids conflict, but a peacemaker is active to bring about the Prince of Peace into a situation. And the Prince of Peace is a name that is given to Jesus Christ. You as God's people, today I'm calling you to a mission. A mission to bring peace to this world. Not your peace, not your idea of peace, but Jesus' idea of peace. Because he came to bring about a reconciliation, a change in people's situations that would invite Jesus into their lives and that he would establish peace in their lives. The word peace in Greek is, is in, in, in its form, is to join, it's to reunite something that is somebody who's far away to somebody who is um, who's, who's far from the other person. It's to reconcile, build bridges towards people. And in Hebrew, we know the word shalom is the word in which Jesus and God describes his peace. It's a oneness, it's a quietness, it's a rest with all creation, all people together with their creator having peace with one another, having peace with God vertically and horizontally as well. And this is how Jesus made peace for us between him and us. He laid down his life to make peace between God and sinners. And we now carry that same message into everywhere that we step. You are called to be um, a peacemaker who carries the good news of true peace that people can experience into your everyday life. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, Isaiah 52, verse 7. Paul says this, you have been given the great ministry of reconciliation, Colossians 2, 2 Colossians 5. Paul also says that we are Christ's ambassadors, making his appeal to mankind through us, 2 Corinthians 5, 20. As God's children, you are to value what your father values. You are to be his people who bring peace to your situations that you walk in. And my encouragement to you this morning is that when you pursue righteousness, we've been asked to do that through firstly receiving God's peace in your life through Jesus, but also practicing it and living it out and offering it as good news for other people. So here we go, we've looked at, we are to be people of mercy, for we have received mercy. We are to be people of pure in heart, because we've seen God. We are blessed of the peacemakers, 
for they shall be called sons of God. But ultimately, why on earth would we be motivated to do all these things? Why am I asking you to inconvenience yourself and be merciful to other people? Why am I asking you to be people who struggle and hunger and thirst for pureness of heart? Why can't I just live out how I live right now? Why am I asking you to go onto mission to bring good news to other people? And it's because of this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They shall be satisfied. If we run after the values of this world, we will not be satisfied. If you run after the pursuits of what people say will bring you happiness outside of God's kingdom, we won't be satisfied. You'll reach the end of your days and you'll be like, is that it? But if you pursue God's kingdom and his values and his righteousness and his promises, all these other things shall be added unto you. Focus on the righteousness. Focus on satisfying yourself in the wonders and the beauty of his kingdom. And you should promise that you'll be satisfied. You will live, reach the end of this life and you've gone, wow, that was not a life that was wasted. I pursued his kingdom and his purposes for my life and for those around me. And there's a path we can choose this morning. There's a path that we can choose and God offers it as the narrow path or the wide path. And I'm inviting you this morning to go on this journey with me on this narrow path, which is hard. <laughs> it's hard. In this, um, it, it's, pursuing righteousness doesn't mean that we just do it in my little corner of my room when I have my quiet time. It doesn't mean that I just do it on a Sunday morning. I come here, sing my songs, enjoy the fellowship of the church, and I go home and do my own thing for the rest of the week. It calls us to engage with the world in a way that brings about God's kingdom. It really does. It requires us not just to do a few little bits and pieces, but it encompasses everything that we think about, everything that we do. The life of a disciple in, in God's kingdom is one which is consumed by this desire for righteousness in myself, in my community, in the world that I live in. God's righteousness in his kingdom needs to come to St. Albans. It needs to come, firstly, in my heart right now. But it needs to come... And it needs to be, people need to know the peace of Christ. People need to know that there is mercy for them, that is available for them. And God is calling you and me to be those people who are peacemakers, to be people who will be merciful in every situation and doing it with a pure and heart, holy heart. I pray that would motivate you this morning, that there'll be an awakening this morning, that we don't just live little Christian lives, but we live expansive lives for the glory of Jesus Christ. Maybe this morning that, we, I guess we summarize that in our church in this way. We say we want to be people who are fruitful in life. People who have fruit, and that comes through valuing the things of the kingdom above the things of this world. So things have to die. <laughs> the way in which we think about money, our old way, uh, worldly ways in which we think of our money or our time or our energy has to die so that God's kingdom, the fruit of his kingdom, can come as we value his kingdom. We have to engage with the world. And that means we have to engage with people. I don't know about you, I live in a post-COVID world where 
a lot of my interactions with people sometimes take place on teams these days. So one of the big challenges for me personally, this is just my thing, is that a commitment actually to not just live out my own little working life at home in front of my 2.4 inch widescreen monitor. But my encouragement for myself this morning is, is actually I have to go into the office more. I need to engage with people because that is where I'm going to live out mercy, holiness, and peacemaking, isn't it? I could probably try and do it online, but it might not be very successful. I need to be with people. And that's personally for me. Maybe I'm not sure what it looks like for you. Where are you going to engage with people that will cause you to have to live out mercy, holiness, and peacemaking? Maybe you're in a situation right now where you know, you're going to a new school or a new university in the next month. I know a lot of young people here are in that transitional period. Um, maybe you're changing jobs or maybe yeah, you've got situations at work or people you're engaging with. How are you going to live out these values in those interactions with people? It will take bravery, let me tell you that. It will take, it will be uncomfortable. It will be a challenge to live out these values. But we do so um, not with our strength. We do that because God has planted them in our hearts and we pursue with hunger, thirst for, for righteousness that will come through our lives as we choose to do that. The people who are satisfied in this world at the end of the day will not be people who have pursued God on their own in their little worlds, but they're people who have hunger and thirst for righteousness. They have craved from God for the grace to be merciful. They have yearned for radical purity and holiness in their thoughts and in their actions. There will be people who have passionately desired to make peace in a world that needs to hear the good news of Jesus. That is our call, church, this morning. To be merciful, to be pure in heart, and to be peacemakers in the situations and the people that God has placed in your life right now. So what does that mean for us this morning? It means we have to make a choice. It means we have to value God's values more than what we've mixed up with the world's values. We have to filter that through. We have to work that through with other people, and that's called discipleship. It's through working that through and understanding that. It means you've got to engage with people. You've got to take risks. I'm not sure if you're an extrovert or introvert, whatever that means, it doesn't matter. You've got to be engaged with people. And I'd say right now, you're going to engage with difficult people. People who probably will take advantage of you. People who will probably not value what you have offered them. But you know what? It doesn't matter because my values are of the kingdom. If my value was to make more money, then I would withhold my money. But if my value is to value these people and to, and to bless them, then release that. You know, these are all really practical things we have to work through for ourselves personally. But would your heart be that you are nurturing mercy, purity, and peacemaking in your days? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that um, it always starts with you. It always starts, Lord Jesus, about what your heart has been towards us. Lord, you call us uh, into a new life, a new kingdom that have values that are so much greater than what this world would offer. Help us to remember that, Lord God, that the values that you hold, Lord, lead to life, peace, and godliness. Mm. 
I just pray, Lord Jesus, that this morning you would let us hunger and thirst for righteousness. Let us truly be hungry in our desires, in our thoughts, in what we want out of this life. And let us turn, Lord God, towards you and hunger and thirst after you. What matters to you is people who need to hear your good news. What matters to you is people who need to receive mercy and understand that there is a merciful God. For Lord, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit right now just to encourage us, to remind us of your wonderful truth, Lord, that you've called us, Lord, to a life of abundance, a life not the world would say is abundant, but a world that said, oh, oh, a life that says that you are our highest value and help us to live that out in everyday life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Do you want to lead us in a song? Yeah. And this morning, if you're in a place where you just need that encouragement, maybe you just need someone to stand with you and pray with you, maybe there is a difficult situation you are in right now, and you want just that blessing of God's promise of you for mercy, God's promise for you of purity in heart and to be a peacemaker. Why don't you come up and pray? We're going to have a prayer team on the right-hand side. They're here to support and to, um, yeah, just to strengthen you today through their prayers and by sharing um, their prayers with you. But as we do that, why don't you come up during uh, the end of the song and ask the prayer team to come up just on the right-hand side. But for those of you here, let's, um, let's, let's rise and let's sing uh, as we close our service this morning.